Hello, everyone. Welcome to Politics Unmasked. Today, during Season 1, Episode 3, we will be talking about news polling and ads that have shaped the election and shaped how people are voting with the election. I think the first major um, thing that we can all talk about that was really shaped the election was the coronavirus that um, started taking over America around March 13th. I know there's many major news stories that have come out that have really shaped how the president and the vice president are dealing with these situations and how they are looking to provide aid for people affected by COVID-19 and businesses and the economy that are also um, affected by COVID-19. So I feel like the one thing that we can dive into with um, the coronavirus is the fact that there were a lot of controversial things that came out um, with, in fact, people thinking, oh, I don't like the way Trump has handled this, or, hey, I think Trump has done everything that he's could have done to handle this. The national shutdown is always a controversial topic, and based on people's opinions, whether they're yay or nay, national shutdown, that definitely threw voters in different directions in regards to them voting for Biden or Trump. Definitely. People that really opposed uh, the national shutdown, you know uh, they're not most likely going to be voting for Biden because when Biden um, has stated when he does, uh, if he gets elected, that he would uh, send the government back into another temporary shutdown just to get all the COVID-19 cases under control. But Trump has already decided to start to open up the economy again. And it really is swaying voters one way or the other, people that are opposed and people that are for the shutdown. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of people on mixed opinions because there's some people who are like, oh my gosh, Trump banned us from going to European countries. Trump banned people from Asia from coming here. But then there's also people who are like, oh, he didn't do that soon enough. And I feel like everyone has a controversial topic, so I feel like based on what Biden and Trump are saying right now, it's something that some voters appeal to. Um, And I feel like this situation really was just the start of the unfolding of like the worst possible news stories that could happen in American history. It was like the, it was like just like a downfall. It was like a snowball effect. It really was. It's something that no one has ever really experienced before in this lifetime. I mean, the last thing we can relate it to is the Spanish flu in the 1920s. And it was really something that is unprecedented, and it was really not interesting to see. But, I mean, it kind yeah. of was interesting to see how the president was dealing with it and how um, the nominee, Joe Biden, was planning on Yeah, so definitely the way that this affected their voter turnout is just who felt the president handled it correctly. If you felt he didn't, well, you're probably leaning towards the left if you feel that the president did what he could during this unprecedented time and did the best he could to try and reboot us, then, yeah, you're going to probably lean more towards the right when you're voting. Um, I also um, I feel like it's been really politicized, the, uh, the virus altogether. Like, it's really influenced a lot of political decisions that have been made and been the main topic of a lot of debates and uh, politics. And also something like even the campaigns, like, we talk about in class, like, the uh, the boxes when you watch that West Wing thing where you have to keep what you, the good things for you in conversation with, like, the news and the media. And just recently, Trump caught COVID, which I feel like makes a big point on how he may or may not have mishandled it and how it affects his race. It kind of puts him in a bad spot, I think. 
and yeah. it, it it does it keeps the conversation on COVID when he's trying to keep it away because it's not a good thing. Yeah, because him. I mean, people have made it seem like he wasn't handling it very well, and whether he was or whether he wasn't, um, it was kind of he was not really backing up to support that he was. So it was kind of making him look bad in a sense. Then with him getting it, it really keeps the conversation on it, and it really yeah. like people are really like nailing the ha- the nailing. No, hamming. What is it? Hammering, hammering the, nail. the nail home, um, on COVID. Um, I feel like another big thing that's definitely talked about, um, is mask. Masks are a big focal point in everything political, from the debates, from rallies, from everything that's going on. Masks have become a political thing, where it's like, ah, you aren't wearing a mask. You're a horrible person. Ah, Trump hates Americans because he doesn't wear a mask. And, like, you know, it's just become, like, a really, like, politicized thing. It's like, if you, like, e- you know, if you aren't wearing a mask, you're an awful human being. Which I guess debate. is kind of true. It yeah, they the saw like, the, the, the debate. They like, brought it up. Biden was like, I got a mask. And Trump was like, yeah, you don't wear the mask far away. And then Trump goes and catches COVID. So it's all, it's all political. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, yeah. it all comes back to being more political. Yeah. And it's like, on a certain point, it's like, the health of millions of Americans should not be politicized and it's crazy like how politicized it is I mean like even when I talk to my mother she's just like well look at all these democratic um states and they're all shut down for so long and we're a democratic state and our governor wants to keep us shut down forever and then oh you look at republican states and they're open but they're catching cases it's just so politicized yeah but let's also talk about the fact that there's like a lot of case few uh fooing going on around here so you have big businesses and like you know big corporations and s- paying for more cases whether they're doing that to make the president look bad cannot be stated because that you know we don't have any factual evidence to back that up but i know a recent evidence is of this was ocean city boardwalk this past summer manco and manco pizza place three people caught covid and from solidified and verified sources, I have found out that the um, the lab company that um, was doing all the COVID tests on the rest of the employees that obviously had to get tested because they were with people that were COVID infected. It was said that um, the lab asked the owners of Manco and Manco if they wanted to pay extra to make any positive cases negative. So, if you can pay to make a positive case negative, imagine how easy it is to make a negative case positive. And I feel like this is something that happened in Florida because a lot of the numbers were fooed in Florida because I know that I was down in Florida during the time when there was like, oh my gosh, there's a 4,000 case increase today. And then a week later on the news, it was, oh, those numbers were wrong. It was way lower. And this was found in things how people have been reporting that, oh, I just got, it just got said to me, I got an email saying that I tested positive when I never got the test done. I just filled out my information, but the car line was too long. Mm -hmm. So they filled out their stuff saying, I'm gonna get the test done, but never got the test done. And then they're getting news that they're positive. But how is that possible? Because they never got the test on. And that, to me, is a signifier of, oh, my gosh, there's someone trying to mess with the numbers. And overall, because of how politicized this has become, messing with the numbers ultimately messes with the presidency and the election. It does. Another news article that we can talk about that relates to COVID is 
um, the interview that came out about um, President Trump on February 7th, um, saying that he knew the seriousness about COVID before it really became that drastic in the states and saying that he always wanted to play it down. Now, some people, um, especially people in the Democratic Party, really um, were pinpointing this and saying, how could our president do this? How could he know about such a thing and not really take it seriously? And then you could say the Republican Party and a lot of their viewpoints are, um, a lot of their viewpoints are um, like, that Trump did not want to cause mass hysteria. He wanted to keep the general public, you know, relatively calm, slowly started enforcing things like ba- uh, banning tra- uh, traveling from China and- to and from China. And basically, and people, and he got um, hate for it. He, the Democratic Party really thought it was um, racist and that he shouldn't have done that. And all Chinese Americans uh, were being discriminated against when really, when he knew about the seriousness of the virus, he was doing the best to protect it. So it really is uh, another politicized issue yeah, about health. I know. It's really, you know, I wish things could be more easier to decipher just based on facts, but because everything is so politicized, it's like all of a sudden when you ban you know, or you make travel restrictions, you're discriminating. And, you know, for the fact that I, you know, trying to hold off mass hysteria, I mean, I'll give him credit for that. I mean... But, you know, there's always a different side of the argument. And I think that we have a lot of other news sources and trend lines to hit. So we're going to go right from Corona into the next major news story that is still affecting us right now. And that is the Black Lives Matter protest. I mean, when everyone thought that our situation couldn't get more eventful, well... It got more eventful. Um, it all really stemmed. It, it, of course, Black Lives Matter was always a thing. Um, it's always been an organization. But what was the tipping point was the death of George Floyd. And that took place on May 25th of this year, 2020. And I think when, and now in our day and age when everything when people have phones that are so easily accessible and everything ends up on the internet. I know everyone has probably seen uh, the horrific video of his death and yes. it really sparked a, a really sparked like a huge uh, turning point in the yeah. Black Lives Matter movement, I think. Yes, it was, that was definitely a big uproar and everyone knows about it. If you have a cell phone or a TV, or some form of communication to the outside world, you know about the Black Lives Matter protest because this was a complete social media trend line to the point where there were people posting black screens on, I remember it was a Tuesday, to signify, yes, it was Blackout Tuesday, and it was to signify that we stand with you. Um, Now, the lot of this whole um protest there is a part of it that is not peaceful i feel like we need to hit on that because there were were like riots yeah and lootings and they even happened in new jersey i remember atlantic city yes atlantic city City did get hit hit hit. we i work in ocean city over the summer and um we were uh there was a a peaceful protest that was planned in ocean city where they walked Across the bridge. Yes, and the police officer, the, I remember the African-American police officer there did kneel with the protesters yeah, because the, um, it's been a big thing where it's like Black Lives Matter is defund the police. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you know they included this police officer and I you know creds to Ocean City New Jersey for you know you know being that shining light on yeah, you know think, we don't have to defund the police. I like, think they you know? went out to the um the police station and we're out there like right outside when that happened in Ocean City. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember we were like we weren't I I was working there that day I, we weren't sure if I was even going going in that day because um we didn't know if there was gonna be a riot or something. We didn't know what was going to happen, so there were businesses, like, that were next to us that were all boarded up. Yeah. Because they were scared that there was going to be looting. So, mm-hmm. it was kind of like this, it was actually, it was pretty scary, because you didn't know what was going to happen, and then you see them kind of walk across, uh, they walk right down 9th Street, and, we're, and where I work is right off 9th Street, so you see them walk down there, and it's kind of like, are they going to stay peaceful? I hope so. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's, it's and, you know, it was pretty it's, surreal experience. That, so. That's the thing that makes me feel bad for the peaceful protesters, because, you know, like, Peaceful protesting is really American. Like, that's, like, a backbone of our society. Like, we came here. I mean, coming and forming America was, like, one ginormous protest, if you think about it. But the fact that all of a sudden, like, there's now this fear. Like, you don't know if it's going to go bad. And I feel like that's awful. I mean, and I think... When, you know, because President Trump, you know, people, a lot of people call him white supporter of white supremacist and racist. So I feel like this is where the election really got divided by this movement. It really, um, it was, in a sense, it really showed um, voters how Trump was dealing with it. And when he sent uh, the National Guard into Minneapolis, where that's where um, George Floyd was murdered, and that's where, you know, the heart of the protest really started, um, a lot of people were opposed. Like, that's not what, oh, people are saying, that's not what we wanted for him to happen. We want him to defund the police, reconstruct the police. We need our police system to, we can't keep going on like this. We can't keep having um, black people and people of color and minorities dying at the hands of our police system. It's... It's crazy, and basically what he was saying was, well, you have all of these protesters, and you have all these American cities being destroyed. How is this How is this going to prove anything? And then yeah. when he sent the National Guard in, it was kind of like, it really solidified in a lot of people's mind that this is not what we want. Now, Joe Biden has stated that he's not for protests. He's for, well, he's not for riots. Uh, riots. He's for peaceful protests, and which, I'm not saying the Democratic Party is for protests, but... They do believe that to a certain extent you need to find a way to get people's attention. And Joe Biden is not for that, but he does stand with Black Lives Matter movement, which Trump has not. I mean, but based on, so I'm going to bring you a little of the debate. So something that Joe Biden did say in the debate is something along the lines of my party is me. Um, if you're going to take on that role and then state like, you know, hey, I'm against rioting. Well, Talk to your Democratic governors who weren't allowing anything like the National Guard or anything like that to intervene with the riots, and they weren't putting down the riots. They were letting them happen, Um, which, you know, ironically, a lot of, of the rioting that happened in these governors, these Democratic cities, those governors' houses were getting destroyed by the rioters, so that's kind of ironic. That they let it happen, and now they're kind of, mm-hmm. they got the backlash. Like the mayor of Portland, how he completely just got rid of the police in Portland. And now everyone's saying, oh, well, he's a Democrat. Oh, no wonder why, like, 
there the still there was like how many days of riots were going on yeah. it was like There's, it was, was so like many days straight, of riots like, like straight days it wasn't like off and on off and no on. no it was, it was just consistent. days consistent yeah. days of riots in portland he was like okay fine enough like yeah. we're just getting rid of our police and, system and honestly my thing is that i feel like the rioting brings a negative connotation to black lives matter which is awful because it is a great movement when you get down to the peaceful part when you get down to the protesting, like the actual protest, it's an awesome movement. You know, it like we're watching civil rights unfold right in front of us today. But the riot puts a negative connotation and then it splits the election in half. Before Joe Biden said anything about him being against defunding the police, most people who were pro-police are all Trump. But at the debate, he stated, I'm not going to defund the police, which I don't know how that affected his Black Lives Matter voters, who I feel like had, he almost, being a supporter, a big supporter of Black Lives Matter, because that's what the Democratic, like, Democratic Party is, it's almost like he was in the place to defund the police. Like, that was what he was supposed mm-hmm. to do. Because that's what Black Lives Matter calls for. Exactly, and because he's such a big supporter and did not state anything about being pro-police until the debate i feel like that could have hurt him in the voters direction definitely i feel like people um that do side of the democratic party and are closer to the liberal side of it um definitely i think after he said that we're definitely disappointed um because obviously they want someone who accurately represents their views and their wants of the government but i feel like all in all it it could have swayed some um, voters yeah. to Donald Trump's point of view, but neither of them want to defund the police, so I feel yeah. like people still would have stayed with Biden. Yeah, probably. I mean, it probably wasn't a big switch. Um, but on that note, I think we're going to start heading into our next news trend line, which was Kamala Paris being picked as vice president. Um, there were a lot of people even on the Democratic Party, that were upset with this pick. And I feel like this was more of the moderate Democrats. Yeah, the moderates. Right? Because um, Kamala is nothing of the sort. She, I don't think she knows what the word moderate is. She's definitely... She's very liberal. She's very liberal. Um, You know, there's a lot of things she's... Like, you know, I'm, I love... Like, you know, I'm very pro, like helping out climate change and stuff like that like i'm very much and she was one of the founders of the green new deal yes and i honestly i'm not opposed to the green new deal even though i'm very republican or whatever you know like explicitly state that like he didn't yeah like that was it was not he said it was not his yeah it's interesting like yeah fully supported he said in the debate and i feel like that's something that you're you're a democratic candidate that's something that's on your Democratic Party. yeah running mate yeah. Which is like there's they're kind of button heads with that, which is kind of interesting. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and she's a senator of California. California is a very liberal state. Yeah, liberal in every single way possible. You have climate change. You got pedophilia being legalized. You have a whole bunch of stuff going on in California. Um, but um, basically, um, the thing about Kamala being picked is not only did it affect. I mean, I, I think Kamala being picked really forced all the Republicans to go, ah, we are sticking with Trump. Because, okay, you can call Joe Biden a moderate, but you cannot call Kamala anywhere near moderate. And I think that scares a lot of Republicans. And it was like, oh, yeah, this is where we're putting our foot down. 
Trump train. Here we go. I toot, definitely toot. think that with him saying that the green, he doesn't support the Green Deal and it's not his, he was really appealing to those people that were on the fence. A lot of people that are super moderate, that don't really lean any which way, that are afraid that if Joe Biden goes into election, like, we will be socialist and it will be too liberal and yada, yada, yada. He was appealing to those voters saying, that, like, that's not my plan. Like, that's not what I want, even though if he does become president, it'll be a lot easier for the extreme liberals liberals to get that plan signed. And yeah, and I think that's a lot of Republicans' fear. Please it's, go it's on, like a, It's like balancing the ticket, kind of. It, yeah, exactly. It's they, like, you can't please one side without pissing off the other. You yes, know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so it kind of gets... He's trying it's to like get a the, seesaw. the best of both It's worlds. like a seesaw. You're trying to level it out. Then when you go too far on one side, the other side go, they that goes down. They cancel each other out. It, they cancel each other out, exactly. Yeah. Political gridlock. Isn't it a fun time? It really is. It's great. Gridlock. Um, so Kamala, definitely a big, big, big effect on voters. I mean, because like even I know some Democrats I know were even like, "Oh my God, no!" When I texted them saying that Kamala was and she picked. is the first woman of color to be nominated for national office by a major political party, which you know step in the right direction for diversity. So yes, go America, and for women in America. Yes, we love women. I'm a woman. Let's go women. <laughs> um, but not to mention you got you know I feel like but the thing that a lot of people are looking at is, who, left. Left, yeah. left, I, like, woo. and this and this definitely sways voters because imagine yeah. people who, um, who were you know thinking about voting for Biden, and because Biden's moderate, yeah, he's Biden's moderate. So say, oh well, he picks a liberal. Oh well, I don't really know. I don't want to go to that far left. Exactly. That it really it kind of it ca- sways uh, the yeah, vote and it, it does affect the election. Yeah, it definitely probably did push a lot of moderate voters. More on the right because you, like, you know, with the right, you see is what you got. You've seen them for the past, like, four years. You know what you're getting into. But then, you know, you get, you're all right, moderate on the Democratic ticket. You know, mm-hmm. he's more left, but he is moderate. Mm-hmm. But then you get radical left. And I feel like that is something that pushed, you know, some moderates to go, eh, I don't know about this one. I've heard what she said on the news, and she's kind of cray, so... I definitely know, uh, before she was even picked, uh, a lot of people were saying he's going to pick um, a woman and a woman of color. And again, that was speculation. But with doing so, I think it's great for minorities. I think it's great for women in this country. And it also appeals to people who feel so strongly like, I don't want to vote for a white man. Or I don't want to vote for a stereotypical everything we've passed for the past... 40 or so presidents, which definitely appeals to those people who are very um, supportive of minorities and of women in this country. Yeah. So it definitely helps those voters. And kind of going back to what Bella said about like being super far left and kind of pushing voters away, I feel like a news plays, the news and media play a really big role in that. With that is true. Kind of, this is kind of my opinion, but they kind of blow the, the, the idea of socialism out of, out of proportion to what it really is. They use it as a derogatory term now, when it really isn't. You, if you like, because Canada is socialist, and we don't hate Canada. Like, don't no hate Canada. Like, the the idea of socialism is just like, it's kind of used as a bad term now, when really there are some good ideas with it. So I feel like the news kind of blows that up, and kind of affects how voter really does affect how voters think about it. Like, with someone being really far left, it will 
paint them more in a bad picture, no matter what the political agenda of the news is, whether CNN, Fox News, whatever. Thank you for earning us some brownie points, Dylan. <laughs> and to continue on, um, I think the next topic we should segue right into, just based off of Kamala being so big on climate change, is, well, climate change. Um, although this isn't as big as a tr- of a trend line, of course it always plays a role in a voter's mind. Um, I mean, definitely with, like, especially with all of the hurricanes that we've seen, um... Like, and I think that's another thing right now in the midst of all of uh, these headlines that are happening during this election. <laughs> I think that all all these headlines that <laughs> all of these hurricanes that have been happening, especially in the Gulf. Um, I know there was Hurricane Laura. Shout out to mine, to me. Oh, um, and <laughs> um, I know there was Hurricane Laura. There was like three hurricanes that hit Texas and Louisiana and that Gulf of um, Mexico in like the last month and you hardly ever hear about it on the news because yeah. everything right now is the election, it's Black Lives Matter it's Supreme Court nominee which we'll get into later, it's so many other things and people whose homes are being destroyed due to these drastic hurricanes which we haven't seen in years are not getting the support and the money and the relief they need to rebuild their communities and I think Dylan has something to say because he has a fun picture up of the clock in Times Square, that was... What is the clock about, Dylan? It's, it's the climate change clock. Come on. Like, um, it's just... It's, I think it's seven. Is that seven years? Yes, that is yeah. seven years. It's, it's, uh, it, was, it was more of like a, an art thing that um, was for... Uh, to try and sh- bring awareness to the fact that there is only seven years left until... Scientists say there's only seven years left until uh, climate change is irreversible. And they're trying to raise awareness for it because there's a lot of politics around it and I feel like um it kind of like little Laura said it gets pushed under the uh pushed under the rug pushed under the rug and um like there was over the summer there was there was a tornado in New Jersey it, yeah it destroyed some coke factory I, I can't remember the ta- I'm serious <laughs> yeah the, I work with a guy who um he's a firefighter he had to go over there and uh he, and it's like you hardly the, ever hear about it. The whole Coke factory. Yeah, is it's because yeah. everything is all political, corona, blah, blah, blah. But you there's can't like, politicize hurricanes, so no, why you mention can't. them? Exactly. exactly. So you it, can't. It, it won't help you because there's only one thing it does. It's just destroy. So it won't help you either way. Exactly. And then I think a major thing, obviously we mentioned Biden with the Green New Deal, which would help in so many ways to fix our climate. Because sooner or later, we're going to go beyond repair. It's going to go beyond repair. And our generation, Generation Z, is going to be the people left mm-hmm. to fix it. And I think another thing... Um, with uh, Trump, uh, as soon as he was president, exiting the Paris pl- Climate Agreement that Obama entered, and how Biden has stated in the debate that, that the first thing he would do when he became president is go back into the Paris Agreement. Um, and I know many people were opposed to it, and many people fully support it, so that's another thing that affected the election. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and so on that note, I think we should just keep trucking because we got a lot of stuff to get through and, you know... We're not trying to hold anyone up here for, like, five hours, which is completely possible with the topics we have here. But also, we don't have that much time due to school. Because, um, you know, we're your, we are your political scientist scholars. We Scholars, key word, we have homework. Anyway, um, so what we had climate change. next We got this crazy year? You know, something I feel like we should hit on is Trump's taxes, tobacco, Bump, 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 $750 for Isabel Michelle Spina's next outfit or shopping haul at American Eagle. 
Um, that is $750 is the, according to social media, let's be completely clear. According to social media is the amount that Trump paid for, t- what? Was it social media? Yes, it was. It was, was social it? media. I feel like, because uh, I remember the Washington Post covered something about oh. it. But I, exactly. Right? Oh, they, got, they got fact checked and they were like, it's true. But then like. They, someone else fact checked. They were like, it's fault, and like it's been really back and forth. So that's why. Yeah. I, I, was, um, I also think it was just social media. It well, you know, news, when it's when it's so flimsy, I call it social exactly. media. You it, know. It's, so it's I'm more of a news on I'm on New York like. Times right now, which has shown to be very, very par- biased. Very biased, and it's a Trump paid seven hundred fifty dollars in income tax the year he won the presidency, and then in his first year another seven hundred. But my thing is, is I feel like this is like you know annoyed. So many people, but it was like too far, and I feel like a lot of voters already made up their minds prior to them talking about his exactly taxes. because people had already uh, sent him their ballots. But also, my thing is, is like, where are the tax reports? You mm-hmm. just have people stating he paid seven hundred fifty dollars. He also but won't you give them out though. Exactly, yeah, he, he won't give them out, give them out which he, it doesn't help him. It, like it again. It doesn't prove anything. Because it doesn't prove he paid seven hundred fifty dollars. Because he can't. Because they can't prove it. But it also it. doesn't. Exactly. Pr- it doesn't. It doesn't exactly. not prove it. It doesn't it, help him. It doesn't help either scenario. And like the thing is that he's like, oh, we're working on them. We will release them when we're ready. Like, are they going to be changed? Is there something? Are they going to try to hide it? If it actually is true, is it going to? You, you, we don't know. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say he's dealing with a, ro- a lot right now <laughs> and not worried about his taxes. Um, I don't know. I know, of course I would. <laughs> Whatever, Dylan. I'm trying, you know, to not be such pes- like you know, pessimistic. I feel everything in politics is very pessimistic. And, you know, there's a really bad negative aura. And I'm trying to lift the aura. I'm going to give right, it the benefit Bella. of the doubt. Uh-huh. Um, Bella, what has happened next in our timeline of well, crazy events? In my opinion, I think we have these flip-flops. But I think, you know, the death of um, RGB Ruth Bader... Ginsburg. Rest in peace, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She died on September 18th of 2020. Although I don't feel like her death was really something that, you know, sparked the voter discrepancy. It It is something. What is happening after her? Yes, it's more of what happened. She was a very influential woman for women in America. I definitely, um, I think a lot of people looked up to her in a sense that she was very uh, informative and very influential. But now there is an empty seat, and we're how many days away from the election? 30, 20, 20 days. Now, when she died, we were probably about 40 or something days away from the election. Now, the Democratic Party wants to wait. They want to wait until the election is over. They want to see who wins first, and then whoever wins gets to nominate that party. But, but of course, that's because they want to pack the court, and they exactly. want to do what they want. So, but, Trump, you know. has stated, well, it is in his presidential... There's, there's it is a difference between packing the court and just having that seat. Because packing the court would imply that they would want to... Okay, no, here's the thing. With them wanting to pack the court, they're saying if Trump nominates someone right now, if Trump's nominates someone before the election, and then they get into office, they're saying right now, then we would have what, like a 6-3 majority or something like that? Yeah, 6-3 majority. People are saying with them wanting to pack the court is after she has been nominated, after Trump's nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, has been set into the court... People are saying that they are going to add more justice, yeah. which hasn't been done yeah. since the Constitution yeah, that, that was written. Yeah, that would be packing the court. What they want, what the the Democrats want now, is just kind of 
They want the nominee. No nominee. They don't want any. They don't want any now, nominee until so they can nominate their own if Biden mm-hmm. wins, and then it would be an even. Yeah, four. but yeah. do it, we? It would be even. It would be a do five, we four. feel that that's what should happen? I mean, it's in it's in the presidential's rights that he has to nominate someone when there is an empty seat on the court. And it's happened before, you know. Back, I don't remember who it was, but. Back uh, when the country was first around, there was the Midnight Justices of, mm-hmm. uh, I don't remember what president it was, but he had appointed all these justices bef- like a day or two before he was uh, taken out of office uh-huh. in order for them to get an advantage in the, uh, in the, in the Supreme Court. But also, it's, um, the, there's this um, idea of like, should they do it, should they not? Back when um, Obama... It happened with Obama. The Republicans, they had said they are not going to vote because they think the next president, whoever should be elected, should be the one to uh, appoint it. And now they're kind of going back Stop on lying. that. They're being hypocrites and and appointing their own because, I mean, obviously they would. They want it to be in their favor. Yeah. But it's just, it's very hypocritical for them to do that. It's definitely I mean, I feel like, yeah, Definitely. And I don't think it's it's a good look for any politician. I think I mean I, politicians are also very hypocritical. Yeah, general, every politician. It's not a, it's not a very good look. Mm-hmm. And, you and, know, yeah. politics. Uh, politicians do have an awful look. I mean, I feel like you can say like, yeah, you know, like this was hypocritical. But you know, there's so many things that go on right now on both sides that are hypocritical. Absolutely. It's just yeah, disgusting. Definitely. And I think that just with like this is so impactful towards the election because some people. Like, or, like, it's crazy. Like, if the Democrats want to pack the court, like, that is something that has never been done. Like, there's always been nine justices, and, like, that's insane. So, I'm going to vote for Trump, because even if he, if the uh, nominee gets pushed back, if he gets reelected, he can just uh, nominate that person again, and fine will be fine. But if it doesn't get pushed back, Amy Coney Barrett is nominated, which we will talk about her in a second. Um, and then if the Democrats pack the court just because they're being petty and they're upset they didn't get their nominee, it's like that. It, it kind it, of why is would, an overreaction. It is an overreaction. I mean, that is a common stereotype with the Democratic Party. I mean, our uh, lovely teacher has stated that <laughs> politics is what, Dylan? Oh, don't ask me. <laughs> I got it. I got it. Oh, well, she's the one that it today. Who gets what? When and how? Now, the Democratic Party has... It's been stereotyped that they're very adamant on getting what they want. And if this happens, if she gets... If Amy Coney Bear gets put into the Supreme Court, well, they get election and they pack the court. And that's, then we'll it's see proof the, of that. And then we'll see the when and the how. Exactly. So, Amy Cody Amy Barrett. Cody Barrett. This is something I think Dylan and I can both agree we're going to let Laura <laughs> just take away. Because she is... Very, very strong feelings. Very negative, negative yes. feelings. You know how I was talking about politics being pessimistic? This is where you definitely see that is when Laura is about to start talking about Amy Coney Barrett. Now, Laura, go on. Me being Sister Laura, thank you, Mr. Martyr, for giving me the nickname. Um, my religious beliefs have come to fruition a lot during uh, this course. So, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, she is a Catholic. Now, oh, don't give me that look. I get it. I'm Catholic. <laughs> hey, you should feel offended. You're Catholic too, back there. I am. There. Don't call me a Catholic. Take that. Now she is Catholic, but she also is part of a group called People of Praise. Now, if people don't know what this group is, <laughs> oh my This gosh. group <laughs> is a. Uh, it, they are a religious group 
that believe in a hierarchy system that women should be uh, submitting towards men and their husbands. Now, this group has over almost 2,000 members, and they also um, are located, they are located in uh, Indiana. That's where the group was founded. Yeah, so basically all the feminists are screaming right South now. Bend, Indiana. And they have right also now. have people <laughs> in multiple different uh, cities and over like, I think they have uh, people in, like, Canada, and then they have people in the United States. So this is, like, a national operation. Yes, there's a lot oh of people gosh. in this. Oh, my gosh. Now, what the Democratic Party is trying to do, they are really hammering on um, on Barrett's religious beliefs. Now, in the past couple of days during her trial, they haven't really mentioned it as much because it's almost kind of going against what yeah. our amendment's saying it's, of freedom it's, of religion. It's unconstitutional. However. Oh, goodness. Here we go. <laughs> However. However, it's not necessarily her religious beliefs that are being put on blast, but it is organizations that she is a part of that affecting her ability to properly do her job. I mean, yeah, but I mean, is it affecting, like, is your personal life like that affecting your ability to be a Supreme Court yes, judge? Yes, because in one of the articles that I have uh, looked at, I'm one of them I'm looking at right now, she has physically stated that it's very difficult for her to separate church and state, which we do have in this country we've had since the Constitution was yeah. put into place. Now, if she now can't... that's a problem. If that's she can't properly... Ideal. Exactly. If she cannot properly separate church and state, that. that is exactly what our country is founded on. That is exactly what so many other countries struggled with against Protestants and Catholics and how the country was going to grow. Well, that's what we have in America. And if she can't do that properly, then that's what I'm worried about. Also, her the group that she's a part of, it worries a lot of people because of what they believe in. Again, they believe in a hierarchy system that women should submit to their wives. And <laughs> that... husbands? Women should submit to their husbands. <laughs> women should submit Absolutely. to their husband. My mistake. <laughs> and basically... This group sparked um, Margaret, uh, I forget her last name. I think her name is Margaret Atwood. She is the writer of um, The Handmaid's Tale. Now, she, yes, she is the writer of The Handmaid's Tale. And basically, she stated uh, that she was inspired by this group, People of Praise, that Amy Coney Barrett um, was a handmaid of, which is basically the head of the organization, both her father and her husband's father were both leaders of the organization. Um, and basically, handmaids in this novel, which um, you can say that they turned uh, the organization into a more fantastical version of what it actually is, but it, it derived from the same beliefs. Um, it derived from the same... Yes, Margaret Atwood. It derived from the same beliefs. It derived from the same um, notions that women should be um submissive and basically that these hand uh these heads and handmaids of this religious group were made to help families conceive and help um basically create families and i think everyone knows at this point that she has a multi-diverse family i think she has like seven kids um two of them are i think two or three of them are adopted but all the rest that she has carried herself and i think that it just goes to prove that it's kind of like discerning to voters on whether or not they want to put her into the justice system yeah so definitely if you are pro-choice you are probably not pro yes. amy coney Barrett, and she's pro-life as said say, that say like the pro-choice stuff like that that's kind of on the left side view yes and, definitely. and so something with like a six to what is it six four six three six three six three uh conservative in favor of conservatives it's a big hit to stuff like that 
stuff like pro, uh, the pro-choice and yeah, those left ideals in, in the Supreme In my opinion, Court. though, there are conservatives that are pro-choice. Pro-choice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They're like, on you both know? Sides. So I feel like there's a lot of things with labeling of parties, but I feel like we all really and this is everyone in general, really needs to look inside those parties because not everyone that's a Democrat believes in pro-choice and blah, blah, blah. Not everyone who's a Republican believes in pro-life. So I feel like that's something that really needs to look into. And earlier, we did talk about packing the court and how that is not something that has been done. Ever. Ever. Well, you know it's something else that hasn't been done? The amendment that Nancy Pelosi is trying to pass. Now, this is Yay, not a major... Oh, don't even get me started <laughs> on her. I can't even listen to her speak. But, um, I'm trying to not be that We're uh, trying to partisan. be nonpartisan. Oh, really? We really... We're struggling real <laughs> bad. bad really bad. Really bad. Um, anyway, um, but Nancy Pelosi is trying to get an amendment passed that may... Not be a trend line now, but I know it is with a lot of Republicans, maybe not on the Democratic side. Um, She's trying to get an amendment passed that basically the gist of it is, is that the Congress can deem a president unfit and incapacitated and then put the VP right in. Just bypass now, Go, Bella, boom, do you boom. think this has something to do with the Republicans' president and vice president or the Democratic president and vice president? Possible president and vice president. Now. No, I do not. And guess what? For those of you who would like to mute my mic, you cannot. <laughs> not today. He's still at this point. Not today. You can't mute my mic. And guess what I'm going to say? This amendment has absolutely nothing to do. This amendment has absolutely nothing to do with the Republican Party. It has absolutely nothing to do with the Republican Party. It has everything to do with the potential Democratic president and VP. And here is why. The Republican Party, you see, this is what you get. We know that Trump and Pence has been a thing, and it has worked. I mean, for some people, not all. But the problem is, is the Democratic Party is very, very left right now. And guess who isn't very, very left? Joe Biden. He is Sleepy Joe (laughs) is the easy target to put in as president. The old man, poor old man, he's going to have dementia pretty soon. Nancy Pelosi, if this thing gets passed, is going to go. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi, if this thing gets passed, is going to go. It's going to go Joe. This guy, he's got dementia. We need to kick him out of here and let's put Kamala right into the presidential spot. And guess why Kamala didn't get picked as the presidential candidate. Guess why? Because she's too far left and they knew no one would vote for her. But guess what? If you put her as VP, well, she's on the ticket now. And if you call that president incapacitated and you put her in, guess who's going to have a really lefty-loosey president? We are. And guess who wins? The Democratic Party. Toot, toot. So there's my Republican rant. Yeah, speaking of the two parties. That's um, just a wet dream. Dylan, <laughs> Dylan and Bella, how have the polls been looking? Who has been leading in our polls currently? Oh, it is Joe Biden. Joe Biden, Joe Biden, oh, yeah. Joe Biden. Uh, polls, 
Let's go to 538, um, 538.com, dash polls, dash president, general, national. Um, so it shows here that in the start of March, March 1st, we have Joe Biden by a 4.1% lead. Wow. And then right around, once you get to like middle of March when the lockdown hit and the virus had hit, you get to, I think, around a peak of 6.8 with Biden in the lead uh, around March 24th, which is when uh, quarantine hit, the coronavirus hit, and Trump yeah. had to make a bunch of tough decisions about what to do. But then Biden starts to lose his appeal. His polls start to go down to a record for or actually a 3.4 split looking at the middle of April. Um, middle of April, if I'm not mistaken, is when a lot of the Black Lives Matter and defund the police happened. Or was that more June? That was May. That was May. It was the May. That was like oh. the end of May. Okay, so I'm off on that one. But I mean, April um, was really the like in-depth of the yeah. quarantines. I mean, so, so I, I don't, I mean, I guess just stuff, because I know that the Democratic Party was really ragging on some things that Trump was doing. And I feel like, hey, some people might have been, you know, in favor of it. So polls went down uh, on Biden's side. But this here we go. Once you hit, once you start to get mid-May into June, that's when Biden kind of starts to take a lead. lead like right a ar- big one. Right yeah. around June 12th-ish, he, he takes over uh, with more than 50%. Um. And this is due to, like, the Black Lives Matter, the defund the police. Yeah. This is when riots and protests were widespread across... And this is... I don't know how many states. Yeah, and this is where I feel like a lot of people who don't normally vote, this is when they go, we gotta say something. Yeah. And that's where this difference is coming from, which is a great thing because, as we stated in episode one, um, the amount of voters who voted in the last presidential election was only 48% of eligible voters, which is absolutely atrocious. So the fact that people are coming out and affecting the polls that much is uh, yay, yippee ki in the step for democracy. yippee ki And then um, up and from around August uh, to October, it's been pretty even with Biden staying around like a six or seven lead up until around right at the beginning of October when I, it's probably when news broke about... Um, Trump having COVID and the debates and Biden has taken a significant jump with 52.4% and a 10.5% today. Today is October 13th and Joe Biden has a 10.5% increase or, you know, lead. Sorry. Um, That is the highest he's been the whole entire campaign. Um, and then this is even verified because we also we have two news sources that we are using to check. This one is BP or BBC.com. Which I um, think is great because they have they have a very objective viewpoint from America because they're they're the British Broadcasting Center. So they're they're very good on covering American politics because they're they are pretty bipartisan. Which yay for bipartisanism. <laughs> you know, like everywhere is so biased. It's so annoying. Even like I get annoyed with Fox News, you know, just like oh stop the bias. Let's just get down to the hard like, you know, the facts. But anyway, this news source um verifies that everything on, you know, five thirty eight um is true. It has the same exact trend lines that we see going all the way 
from March to present day October 13th. Um, and even, you know, it has the little thing of, you know, election is Novo- November 3rd, so there's not... And yeah, it does verify that there are only 20 days until election. Crazy. Um, but the trend lines look like the same maybe minor fluctuations in like point one mm-hmm. um but that's nothing big that we really need to cover because you know why go through all the point ones when they're about the same um now bella what ads have you been seeing i know we've all been seeing tons of campaign ads yes any significant ones have you seen i so i <laughs> that have you like to mention <laughs> so i have an amazon fire stick so i'm not like you know a cable tv person i watch a lot of things on hulu um and stuff like that uh but the one commercial i've been seeing is the joe biden commercial i see this thing about five times every time i watch an episode of friends and you know i'm all for you i'm i try and come into politics with an open mind um and that's something that even my teacher, Martyrone, has commented about. Something that he really likes about me is that I come into politics with an open mind, regardless of what my views shout are. Shout out, Martyrone, if you're still listening. Yeah, shout out to Martyrone if you're still listening to this, because we are almost at <laughs> 50 minutes in. Um, but what's it called? This commercial is of um, a supposed doctor there's no credentials there so i'm gonna call him a supposed doctor who is handling the pandemic and he is basically talking about how he couldn't tell a mom if she could ever see her children again and this mom was sick with covid now there was nothing specific stating of when this mom was sick it was i'm guessing the beginning of the pandemic bella what do you think that uh campaign tactic is used oh this is a hundred percent Pathos. They Joe Biden's campaign team is trying to tug on the heartstrings of everyone in America, say, "Oh my gosh, because of this evil Cheeto-faced man." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna cut that out. <laughs> oh We're supposed to be not part of. Oh my god. <laughs> because of this evil president that we have in right because now. Because of the president. <laughs> she, I think she's saying the Democratic yes, view. Yes, the Democratic that's view. A, that's their view. The, yes, not, the Democratic view. No, this is not my it's view. Not her own the view. Democratic view is it's that. the opposite of her view. Actually. Yeah. The Democratic view is that, oh my gosh, there is this evil man and he is. um destroying families and because he hasn't handled the virus and this doctor can't tell this mom that she's gonna survive because he doesn't know and then at the end the part that really teased me off is that this guy goes joe biden has a plan and that's it that's it joe biden has a plan and i'm sitting there like what the hell is his plan where is it where is it (laughs) i didn't see in the debate i haven't seen it anywhere i've heard I've got a plan, and you're a liar. And that's about it. You don't have any facts to back anything up. And you know how frustrating that is as a viewer trying to make, like, good decisions? It's awful because I can't say, oh, I like his plan. Because guess what? I don't know his plan. <laughs> oh, my. I feel like um, uh, when you look at stuff like the ad, the campaign ads, you see I, I'm, I keep bringing this back, back to the boxes in the West Wing because I really like it. It's how Biden's trying to keep it on COVID, 
and how COVID has affected the United States, how it's bad, how it's been mishandled, all this, how that's his idea. And then Trump is talking, is trying to go away from that, talking about the economy and his things for that. So I feel like it's really interesting how they don't talk about the same things. They try and split up with, uh, they try and split to what would benefit them. What, and they try to keep the conversation on stuff that will help them be elected. They don't want to focus on the boxes that are yeah. for the uh, for the other candidate. 100%. Um, I guess, you know, we just talked about Joe Biden commercial, so let's talk about a Trump commercial. Uh, one of the ones that really stood out to me was the one of a mom. She was holding, like, kind of, like, signs, and it was, it was, a, it was a silent commercial. Um, she was holding signs, and um, the signs had words on them, and she'd flip through them like a little flashcard presentation. Uh, and this was another attempt at pathos, but this time not by, you know, it was by the president. It wasn't by Biden. It was by Donald Trump, which, you know, but Donald Trump being seen as, you know, a bully by a lot of Democratic and other moderates, um, it's kind of ironic that his campaign team used pathos, um, kind of, you know, give him, put some emotion back into Donald Trump. And this commercial was about this mom, basically, she was, you know, writing these things on flashcards, like, Joe Biden will raise taxes, Joe Biden is for these riots. Joe Biden is going to harm our future, and I'm scared of what the future will look like for my kids if Joe Biden is president. And I'm too afraid to say these things out loud. And I feel that's, I think that is something that a lot of, like, I'm going to call them the silent majority. I feel like that's what a lot of people, the silent majority, are thinking, you know, because there's so much on social media right now, especially that's bashing President Trump, that you're like literally getting crossed in a wildfire if you say something that's actually positive about the president. Um, so I feel like that really, you know, got some appeals there from people who are silent majority, maybe were Democrats and now are turning towards Republican. Um, so I think that was a really smart thing to on Trump's campaign campaign team to say. I mean, although, you know, he liked Joe Biden, I mean it's not like he stated a plan, but the difference here is is he stated things that he was opposed to. Here, raising taxes, clearly opposed. So you know he's not gonna do that. He's gonna try and lower taxes and things like that. And the thing is about Joe Biden not setting a plan in his commercial is that Joe Biden isn't in the presidential office right now. We have not seen him do anything. Sure, he was in Obama's administration, but a lot of people have the feelings of Joe Biden has had 50 years in politics and has done absolutely nothing. Um, has done nothing for the people. And, you know, because, you know, Obama, Obamacare, guess what? That wasn't Joe Biden. That was Obama. Joe Biden, a VP is like a supporting role. They sit there and look pretty. That wasn't Biden. Um, so he doesn't have anything to his name, really, for doing anything for the American people at all. When Trump has carried through on his promises that he made in 2016. And I think that's what a lot of people are liking is that you see is what you see is what you get. 
So they kind of see Trump's plan. It's been playing out for the last four years. And I feel like Biden needs to speak more on his. Got really right there, real quick. I know. Uh, <laughs> definitely. I think that this episode, definitely, um, we talked about a lot of good um, points, a lot of good news articles. We updated you on the polls. We let you know how we felt about some important ads that we had been seeing. <laughs> oh, and also, just to state for the record, okay. um, these ads have been really seen on TV, things like YouTube, other watcher programs, um, nothing really on the radio. It's a lot of stuff on websites and things like that. You don't see a lot, like, out, um, like you might see signs here and there, but nothing crazy. Like, no, no. Bill, I don't really see billboards of anything. No. no, it's more of, like, the like the tiny lawn signs, you know? Yeah. Like, you like, see that. I think they're trying to take advantage of, like, social media and stuff like that. Definitely. Because that's the new, it's the new norm, so they're trying to use that as a way to reach out to as many people as possible. Yeah. So, I think on that note, we have hit pretty much everything for this episode. We have told you about news. I don't know how we could And ads. <laughs> <laughs> and so, on that note, episode three is adjourned. And we will see you for the next one. Episode four keeps rolling down that slideshow. Episode four, we will be talking about money and politics and um, how much they are contributing to the presidential race. So, you know, money, money, money must be funny in a rich man's world. Let's get into it next episode. Episode four. Peace out.